Well, hello, church family. Welcome again to another edition of the post-sermon wrap-up podcast. I'm Pastor Scott. And I'm Pastor Kevin. And this is the last uh, wrap-up podcast to our uh, More Than a Children's Story sermon series. So it's a wrap on the on the <laughs> sermon series. Uh, but before we wrap it up completely, we want to How many times could you say the word wrap? Wrap, wrap, wrap. We can do it. <laughs> uh, but before we bring that to a close, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this past Sunday sermon from the small little book of Jonah. Jonah, obviously a popular story in uh, children's uh, literature, and yet it's interesting because it's known for its, you know, emphasis on this big fish that swallows Jonah, which, as we discussed yesterday, is really such a minuscule part of the actual book itself. And so we just want to unpack maybe some of the questions that are still out there from folks from this past week. And so, Pastor Kevin, I thought one of the things that caught me as I was processing this this morning was just, why do we have a book of Jonah? And what I mean by that is, you know, this is the only prophet that we know of here in the Old Testament that really is given an emphasis to go and to proclaim a message of warning, not to the Jewish people, to his native people, but to a foreign nation. So why does God provide a book like this in the middle of these Old Testament scriptures? Jonah is a whale of a story about the sovereign grace of God towards Mm -hmm. sinners. And what's amazing about Jonah is Jonah hints at the reality of which we are a part today. Mm -hmm. Let me say it differently. There would be no Gentile church today, like Newcastle Bible Church. I think we have one Jewish person in our church family here. Mm. We are mostly a Gentile church. There would be no Newcastle Bible Church if it were not for the realities that we see of God's heart towards sinners in Jonah. Mm. Jonah, as a prophet, is a type or a picture Mm -hmm. of Israel as a nation. If you think about this, the reason the the prophecy of Jonah falls like it does in the minor prophets, in the days of the kings, the reason this happens is because God is wanting his people to see that he has chosen them, the Israel nation, to declare his message Mm -hmm. of glory to the nations. And of course, we know Israel failed in that, just like Jonah did, and they They pursued idolatry, just like Jonah did, Mm -hmm. and they loved their own own religion and their own culture and God's love of them. They loved that, but they did not love the nations. They did not proclaim God's glory to the nations. They did not bring good news to Mm -hmm. the nations. And so God mercifully, he doesn't destroy Israel forever, Mm -hmm. but he, um, he brings in the Gentiles. And, and someday, God is going to again allow Israel to proclaim and be his witnesses to the nations of his glory, mm-hmm. just like he eventually did with Jonah. So I just think this is an amazing study. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely an amazing study. Yeah. It's a whale of a story <clears throat> about yes, the grace it, of God. Well, and so that's a really intriguing thing that you say there, that it's a whale of a story. So here's the here's the theological debate question here. Was this a whale or was this a fish? <laughs> we right? don't know. It just says God appointed a great... For all we know, God could have created a special fish, mm-hmm. uh, unlike any other fish. Mm-hmm. Um, we, don't, we don't really know. But mm-hmm. 
What we do know is that God appointed this fish to miraculously mm-hmm. uh, swallow Jonah. And, and, and think about this. When Jonah told the sailors to throw him overboard in chapter 1, what was Jonah trying to do? Seems like he's just running further, right? I think he's committing suicide. It's the same. Yeah, not many thing people we are going to survive in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea like that. He, with he's, no flotation. He's saying, yeah. for the salvation of your 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 men's lives, mm-hmm. the only way we're, you're going to be saved is if I die. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'll drown mm-hmm. because then I won't have to obey God. Mm-hmm. And so the fact, everybody wins, right? So, so <laughs> I, here's what I want you to see: the fish was not punishment. Mm-hmm. The fish was mercy. Mm-hmm. The fish actually it was a vehicle was, of salvation. Was a vehicle of salvation mm-hmm. to Jonah yeah. that kept him from drowning, to to spare him alive so that God could continue to use him. Isn't that isn't that? It wonderful? is. It is awesome. You know when I when people have mentioned that question to me before of it being a fish or a whale, I say, well, the Hebrew word is actually the word dog. Uh, it's the short for Dagon where you get the, the, the foreign god but so if people ask me I just say oh, it was a dog who's swallowed him because that's what the Hebrew word says but, so you can oh, no. you can put that in your back pocket and use it the, yeah there you uh, the go my, so, my. so one of the, the big questions and I think you highlighted this a bit on Sunday was how do we know there's, there's a lot of repenting going on in the story. You see Jonah repenting. You see Nineveh repenting. Yeah. How do we know that there is genuineness of repentance? How do we know genuine repentance from false repentance? Because, uh, you know, less than 100 years or about 100 years later, we see this Assyrian empire, which Nineveh was a part of, going in and wiping out and taking the Jews into exile. You see Jonah in the story, you know, being delivered uh, in chapter two. And then by the end, he's, you know, in a pouty fit again. So how do we understand the genuineness of repentance in the story? And how do we think about that in the Christian life as well? Yeah, that's a great question. So so we know that the Ninevites truly repented, these 600,000 Assyrians. Mm-hmm. We know they truly repented because... Not only did God relent and turn from the the judgment that was to be theirs, mm-hmm. but in Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, after Jesus refers to his upcoming resurrection from the dead as like Jonah's three days mm-hmm. and three nights in the belly of the fish, Jesus says this in Matthew 12, 41, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. So he says, the Ninevites are going to condemn the Jewish Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Why? The, it goes on. For they repented at the mm-hmm. preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Yeah. So we know that these 600,000 Assyrians are going to be in heaven someday because Jesus' testimony is that they truly repented. Yeah. Now, you could say, but, but it looks a lot like a fire escape repentance. It looks like a foxhole repentance. It mm-hmm. looks like they're just trying to avoid the consequences of their sin. Mm-hmm. But isn't that the mercy of God? Mm-hmm. You see, well, Jonah's repentance doesn't seem to be very uh, complete. You know, I mean, he's he's continuing to sin and wallow in self-pity and nationalistic idolatry. Mm-hmm. And yet, look at the mercy of God. Yeah, he does. the The quality of our confession and the quality of our repentance is not the basis or the grounds of God's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. The basis or the grounds of our forgiveness is always His mercy. 
and his grace, not our own religious works. And so we believe Jonah did repent and will be with us in heaven someday because tradition would say Jonah is the one who wrote this book. After all, who else would be able to testify of everything that's written here? And why would anyone who's not truly repentant read, read, write such a, delf, a self-deprecating account yeah. that puts... And so this is the evidence of his repentance that he would actually write his own testimony in such a way that it hangs the question out there for all of the readers to wrestle with. How mm-hmm. am I going to respond to God's mercy towards sinners myself? Wow, that's great. I love love the way you're thinking there, and that's very helpful as we think about repentance in the Christian life as well. Now, one of the things you brought up yesterday in our uh, debrief time together with the pastors was just how Jonah in many ways is a type of the nation of Israel. Yes. Curious if you just flush that out a little bit more as to what you mean uh, by that. Um, uh, just so, so we can kind of help our people see some of the more even just theological depth that the story of Jonah brings to our understanding of the scriptures. Yeah, I mean, really, you'd have to go back and start in Genesis chapter 12, verse mm-hmm. 3, when God calls Abraham and he gives Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, kind of his purpose and plan for his call. He says, uh, in verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you, that you will be a blessing. So yeah. he says, through Abraham, I'm going to create a people for myself, a chosen nation. Mm-hmm. We call it Israel. You know, it's Abraham all the way through Jacob. Mm-hmm. So we call it Israel. So this is the, the Jewish people come from Abraham. It's God's selected people. He it's, it's not because they're special. It's not because they earned it. It's just God set his favor upon this special people. And he says, through you, I'm going to make. And then he says in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. So God has a special favor for this mm-hmm. people. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So through the Jews, through Abraham's family, God is now going to bless <clears throat> All of the people of the mm-hmm. earth. So the, all the nations, all the Gentiles, all the non-Jews have this blessing that comes from God through his own people. Mm-hmm. And yet his own people hoard God's grace mm-hmm. and constipate the mercy that God intends to flow through them. And mm-hmm. they hoard it. And so that they no longer bless the nations. Mm-hmm. In fact, they sit there in judgment of the nations. And God says, this is not my design. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. just, and that's the spirit of Jonah. Mm-hmm. And that was the spirit of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. The Pharisees had no concern for the sinners. Mm-hmm. The, and that's why, that's why God came to the Pharisees. And, and he says, you know, don't you remember from Hosea chapter 6, I desire mercy, mm-hmm. not sacrifice. You guys are so concerned with your religious ritual. Mm-hmm. You're so concerned with your external, mm-hmm. how you look, and, and you tithe mint and cumin. And, but the righteousness is defined by love. Mm-hmm. The whole law was not so that you'd be legalist. The whole law was that you would lo- learn how to love God and others. And, and so... God's people have continually failed over time to realize that his work in us, his blessing of us, was so that all the people of the earth could be blessed. Mm -hmm. It was not because we were something special. 
And so I think there's a warning for us today. Not only do we see Jonah kind of being a picture of Israel, but if I take it one step further, there's a warning to Christians today. Those of us who have received God's grace under mm-hmm. repentance, those of us who have been born again, may we never be like Jonah. Mm-hmm. May we never be like the older brother mm-hmm. in the story of the prodigal son who was so concerned with justice and so concerned with fairness and so concerned that, that the prodigal would be forced to pay for his stupidity that he was unwilling to dance. Mm-hmm. He was unwilling to rejoice. He was unwilling to, mm-hmm. to forgive when the prodigal repented. Yeah. And so I just think, you know, Matthew 20 is another amazing example of Jonah from Jesus' teaching. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus gives this parable, right, of those who started work early in the morning at 6 a.m., and then some more were added to the work at 9 a.m., and then at noon, and then at 3 p.m., and then some were even added to the work and the labor at 5 p.m., just one hour before Mm -hmm. quitting time, right? And at the end of the day, Everybody was paid exactly the same. Everybody got the same mercy. And those who had worked through in the heat of the day, they said to the Lord, well, this isn't fair. Mm -hmm. And Jesus' response is, who are you to begrudge my generosity? Mm -hmm. Mercy was not governed by fairness. Mercy has triumphed over justice. Mm. And I just just think we must repent of our Jonah spirits. We Mm -hmm. must repent repent of our older brother thinking, and we must realize we've received mercy so that we can share mercy yeah. and help the glory of God be furthered in this world. Well, as you helpfully put it multiple times on Sunday, the biggest miracle in the book of Jonah is not the fish. Yeah, It is really the, the mercy that he extends to everyone, the, the, the radical transformation that takes place in the hearts of the Ninevites and eventually Jonah as well. But, uh, not allowing the fish story to eclipse the greater miracle, yeah. which is always God's salvific work, right? Like when people ask, well, do miracles still exist? They say, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. every time God <laughs> saves a soul, anytime a sinner repents, right, there is great rejoicing in heaven because a, a miracle has been before, performed because we can't change our hearts. That's only something that God in his mercy can do for us. It makes me want to cry. Yeah. I just, I love that. I love that. I love that. There is such an anti-supernatural spirit mm-hmm. in this world. There's such a spirit of um, materialism, naturalism, mm-hmm. humanism. If I can't explain it, then it can't be true. Mm-hmm. Listen, God is God. God is God. And if you want an example of a miracle, like in humility, let my life mm-hmm. be exhibit A. Mm-hmm. Our God does miracles. There is no brokenness. There is no bitterness. There is no sin. There is no suffering that is so deep and so hard that our God of miracles cannot redeem. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's such a powerful truth. If somebody's listening today and they're hurt and they're broken and they're enslaved, oh, our God is a God of wonders. Mm -hmm. Our God is a God of miraculous mercy. And he loves you so much that he will save you from sin. Cry out. What do we say on Sunday? He always hears the prayer of the repentant. Mm-hmm. That's good news. It is. Well, thank you so much again for your faithful ministry. Uh, just 
proclaiming the word of God to bear on the hearts of our people. As I mentioned at the outset here, this was our conclusion to uh, the More Than a Children's Story series. It's amazing because it feels like we just started it in many ways, <laughs> but uh, there's so many things we could have talked about, you know, over the last 12 weeks, essentially, but this at least is a real start. And hopefully it whetens your appetite, church, for just yes. these, these Old Testament stories. These, these, there's so much more that uh, is out there, so please study it on your own. Go through it. It is so, so worthwhile. But we have a little bit of a transition week this week. Yes. So May 1st, what do we have in store specifically for this coming Sunday? Orphan Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we are talking about the mercy-fueled mercy. Mercy-fueled mercy ministry. That's, that's Maybe a that's mouthful. A, that's a hard <laughs> way to say it. We'll work it out before then. <laughs> Can't wait. We'll see you then. All right. Good day, church. <laughs>